Welcome to the LA Public Health Podcast. I'm Steve Baldwin. In November of this year, Pfizer's COVID vaccine was approved for use in children age 5 to 11. And on today's show, we have two experts with the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health to help answer questions about the COVID vaccine in children, safety considerations, and managing the holidays and those play dates with children who may not be vaccinated. Today, we're joined by Dr. Nava Yagana, pediatrician and infectious disease specialist, and Dr. Hema Morales-Meyer, Director of Clinic Services, both with the LA County Department of Public Health. Dr. Yagana and Dr. Morales-Meyer, welcome to the LA Public Health Podcast. Hi, Steve, thanks for having us. Welcome back, Dr. Yagene, and welcome back, Dr. Morales-Meyer. It's been a while, but really glad you're back on the show. Glad to be here. All right, boy, I have a lot of questions for you two. This is a very exciting time in the world of COVID vaccinations. With Pfizer's approval for their vaccination to be used with children age 5 to 11, we're getting a lot of questions from parents. One of the questions we have is, how does the COVID vaccine work in children? Is it the same vaccine that adults are getting? And I'll start with you, Dr. Yagene. Is this the same vaccine that we got as adults? That's a really great question. So the COVID vaccine that's for the 5 to 11-year-olds is the same type of vaccine as an mRNA vaccine. So if you got Pfizer or Moderna, that would be the same type of vaccine that you would get for your 5 to 11-year-old. The dose is a little bit different. It is a lower dose, and that's just because we do um, dose the vaccines based on how well your immune system works. And so for the younger ages, their immune system is very robust, and so we base it on their age. And for 5 to 11-year-olds, it looks like this dose of vaccine is very you know, effective at preventing disease and infection and may hopefully have less side effects as well. So different dose, same type of mechanism of action with a messenger RNA vaccine. So how do we know the smaller amount of the dose that's being given to children is enough to keep them safe? The way that they did this is that they did um, a series of studies called dose-finding studies. So often, this is something that happens in pediatrics, where you, you take you know, a, a medicine or a vaccine and you um, try different types of doses to see what dose will give you the same amount of antibodies and the same type of protection, you know, minimize the side effects. So they did that type of study. They found the right dose for the 5 to 11-year-olds, and they showed that data very clearly. This dose provides a very robust immune response in a five-year-old, a six-year-old, a seven-year-old, eight-year-old, nine-year-old, 10-year-old, 11-year-old. So through that dose-finding study, they were able to find the right dose, and then they did the trial um, with over 4,000 participants. And at this point, it's only the Pfizer vaccine that's approved for children age 5 to 11. Do we see Moderna or J&J or any others being approved anytime soon for children? Yeah, so I think that it's always wonderful to have different choices and be able to look at the data from different vaccine products. Definitely those trials are ongoing. I know Moderna has uh, submitted some data for the 11 to 18 year olds uh, or 17 year olds to the FDA, and then um, they will be submitting if they haven't yet their data as well for the younger categories. I know Johnson & Johnson Janssen has been doing trials as well as some other vaccine companies. So once we have more information about these trials and the data, Data. I'm sure that we'll review it very carefully. We'll go through all the different mechanisms in place to make sure that the vaccine is safe and effective, and then we'll be able to share that information. That's great. Uh, Dr. Morales-Meyer, I'm wondering if you can share about the benefits of a vaccination on a couple of different levels for each child 
maybe about the school communities. These children are obviously school-aged children. Are we seeing benefits in schools or even to the general population by ensuring that children age 5 to 11 receive their vaccinations? It's important to remember that children are still at risk for getting COVID-19 and having both short-term and long-term complications. And there are many benefits to be vaccinated. For the child, it helps to protect them from getting COVID and getting sick or even hospitalized. It also helps so that children don't get sick and miss school or spread it to others in their schools or at home, like their teachers, their friends, and of course, their families. The more that people are vaccinated, the less spread of COVID that there will be and the faster that we can get out of this pandemic. What are you hearing from families and from children that you work with, either at work or at home? Are families having an okay time with this in the clinics? What are you hearing at the at the clinic level? Yeah, so I'm a nurse, so I've been at the pods and many of our sites vaccinating children. Some of our children are excited about getting vaccinated because they want to be able to play with their friends or go places without having to worry about getting sick. And of course, we always do, do have some children who feel a little nervous when getting a vaccine. But soon after they receive the vaccine, they feel a sense of accomplishment. We give them lots of praise. They know that they are doing their part to stay healthy and to protect the health of others. For parents, it's been great. For them, it's a sense of relief to get their children vaccinated. And knowing that they're protecting them from getting COVID, it's it's such a relief for the parents. Dr. Yugene, what can parents do to help prepare their child for the vaccine? Are there conversations that can be had ahead of time? I would think, I remember bringing my kids in for their shots. There was a lot of talking beforehand. What do you recommend? So I think parents know their children the best. I find in my experience is some children, the anxiety of waiting for the vaccine. So that time Mm. before getting the vaccine tends to be a little bit more stressful than the time after when they get the vaccine. So once they get the vaccine, they might cry out, but then they're easily distracted and um, are happy and, you know, pleased that the, the situation is in. Others, unfortunately need a lot more information. I know for my children, I have two. One wanted to know everything about vaccines. He wanted to know what was in it, what it was going to do, what are the benefits. So we really had to have this very long informed consent process for him when we went through the vaccine and getting information to him. For my older son, he just didn't want to know any information. He didn't want me to tell him when it was going to happen. (laughs) He just (laughs) wanted to go in and get the vaccine. So I think you kind of have to decide what kind of, what person your child is and how much information they need. But I think that it is really important to let them know that we're doing this so that they can be protected, that they could continue to participate in school, in sports, extracurricular activities fully, that they won't have to worry about getting sick. They won't have to worry about being quarantined. They won't have to worry about transmitting it to their grandparents and other members of the community, reminding them of all the benefits of getting the vaccine. I love the idea of obtaining informed consent from your own children. I mean, they deserve it as well, don't they? That's wonderful. Are there side effects that we're seeing or any adverse events? And I'll ask Dr. Yugene again, with children and the Pfizer vaccine? 
Yeah, so I can tell you what the trials, what they did was they looked at local um, reactogenicity. It's a fancy word for saying like arm pain, swelling, redness. And so the most common reaction was really pain at the injection site. There was a smattering of maybe some people having redness and swelling, but it seemed to be very similar to what we're seeing in adults. So similar to what you had when you got the vaccine. They also looked for things like fever, fatigue, joint aches, muscle pains. And again, that did happen, but it it seemed to be less common in children than it was in adults. So I know some people felt almost like they had the flu after they got their vaccine. Um, a lot of people didn't. In general, what I've been hearing from the pediatricians and from the pods is that most children do really well. And so far, knock on wood, we haven't really been seeing a lot of bad reactions to the vaccine. Now, the two side effects that we know of from Pfizer vaccine or the mRNA vaccine products are anaphylaxis. It's a very rare but serious reaction. So that's something that we are monitoring everyone for. So that's why when you get the vaccine, we do monitor you for 15 minutes. If you have a history of severe allergic reactions, we monitor you for 30 minutes. And then that's something that we can treat on the spot. Any place that has the vaccine can treat, you know, that severe allergic reaction right there and then and get you medical care if you need it. Again, a very rare event, but something that we are aware of. And then the other rare but serious event that we know with Pfizer vaccine for the adolescents was the inflammation um, of the heart and the tissue around the heart, the pericarditis and myocarditis. Mm. Now, that hasn't been seen with the 5 to 11-year-olds. It wasn't in the trials, but it is something that was seen in the 16 to 17-year-olds and, you know, the adolescents less than, I guess I should say, the 12 to 30-year-old range. There, it was seen, you know, again, rarely. So talking about 2 to 10 out of 100,000, but uh, is something that people should be aware of. And if you have symptoms, you should seek medical care. And luckily, it seems like most people recover very quickly and do go back to 100% normal activity. I was going to ask, when you say rare, what does that mean? So I'm doing some quick math here. Two in 100,000 is like 0.00002%, right? We're talking less than a thousandth of 1%. That is super rare. Hema, what do you think about using pain relievers? with children. Is there something we can do to help our kids feel a little bit better if they're going to feel maybe some arm soreness or like what can we do to prep our kids to be prepared for that? Sure. So symptoms such as fever, headache, feeling tired or a sore arm are common side effects after getting the vaccine. So you can apply a cream cloth to the arm to help reduce the pain and it may also help to exercise the arm as well too. For fever, you want to make sure that they're drinking plenty of fluids, they dress lightly, and over-the-counter medicines like Tylenol, Motrin, and Advil can help with pain, headache, fever, or discomfort. And if you have any questions, you should definitely ask your doctor and make sure that you're giving them what they need. Do you recommend pre-medicating like before you go and get the no, shot? So we, yeah, that's a great question. We actually don't recommend pre-medicating prior to the shot, but after they receive the shot, if they're experiencing any of these symptoms, then yes, they can definitely. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. All right. So the holiday season is here. Thanksgiving was, as we record the show, just last week. And Christmas and other Kwanzaa and many other holidays around the corner. How can family members that have gotten vaccinated interact with extended family members who may also be vaccinated but may not be and may have children who are below age five? And now I'll ask this of you. They may have young children who are too young to get vaccinated. How do we handle those sorts of social interactions with friends and family? 
It's really common. I have nieces and nephews who are under five years old who aren't able to get vaccinated yet. So, and really keeping them in mind as we plan for the holidays, it's really important. So we have to make sure to take precautions when we're gathering with family members. We want to make sure that people that are coming are fully vaccinated and that they've gotten their booster. So adults 18 years and older are now eligible to get their booster. So it's important that they try and do that now before they come and visit family. But there's also steps that you can take to protect them, um, especially those that aren't able to get their vaccine yet. You want to make sure to keep your gatherings small and not have large groups so that, you know, you have a better sense of who's there and make sure that everyone is vaccinated. You want to make sure that they're wearing masks, if at all possible, and keeping social distance, making sure people are washing their hands. We live in Los Angeles. We have great weather. So gathering and eating outside, if possible, is a great alternative to make sure that you know everyone stays safe during the holidays. And especially as folks are eating, we have to make sure that you know when people are eating, they take off their masks. They're drinking as well, too. So they have to take off their masks. And so you want to make sure that you have good airflow in the area where you're eating. So uh, I can tell you for my family, I've already told them for Thanksgiving, we're eating outdoors and it's going to be nice and sunny and it'll be great weather out here in Los Angeles. So, Should we be wearing masks outside? Wearing a mask is a great protection. And we know that even though people have been vaccinated, they can still get breakthrough cases. So you can still get sick. And those vaccines are not 100% effective. And so people can still get sick. So wearing a mask is a great way to protect uh, yourselves and your family members, keeping your social distance. And especially when you're out in public, because in public, we don't know who's vaccinated and who's not. So it's really important to make sure that we're keeping all of those strategies in place and making sure that we're protecting ourselves and our family members. Got it. Dr. Yagene, are we aware at this point of the long-term effects of the vaccine on children? It's kind of a two-part question. And if not, how can we be sure that there are no long-term effects of the vaccine? Yeah, so I think it's really important to kind of just think about the science behind vaccines. We've had vaccine technologies around for hundreds of years now. We really have not seen any effects after six weeks. If there are any serious rare side effects from the vaccine or adverse events from the vaccine, it happens within the first six weeks after the vaccine is given. And that's why all these different uh, trials, they do very intense monitoring for the first eight weeks after you know the vaccine series is completed and the FDA really reviews that data. Now, there is still ongoing monitoring. As many of us know, there's all these different systems in place to already look at vaccine events, adverse events that might happen after, you know, the trials are completed. Um, So we have the vSafe, which is an app that you can download on your computer and do vaccine monitoring. It's very active. They contact you. You have to fill it out. There's VAERS, which is a vaccine adverse events reporting system. There's also two different hospital systems that are being used to look for any serious rare adverse events. But again, these would happen within, they have, you know, the anaphylaxis, the myocarditis, pericarditis, all the rare adverse events happen within weeks of getting vaccinated. There's really been no 
vaccine that has caused long-term effects. On the other hand, there are viruses that do cause long-term effects. We do know if there are several viruses that you get, you think you get better from, and then it comes back and causes problems later in the future. The one that I think of always is uh, varicella. Varicella causes chickenpox, and most kids do well with the chickenpox. And then when they're much older, they get shingles, and shingles can be extremely painful and extremely debilitating. That's a virus that can cause that. The vaccine is safe and effective, but the virus itself is not, um, you know, can cause problems even after you successfully clear it the first time. The other one I think of is measles. Measles, again, a lot of people got measles. A lot of children did fine with measles. There was a certain, uh, you know, a certain subset with that would go on 10, 20 years later and develop SSPE, subacute sclerosing panencephalitis, which, you know, essentially is a debilitating disease that would eventually, you know, has 100% mortality. So it would affect children years when they were years down the line when they were adults. So definitely viruses have that ability, but we haven't seen that with vaccines. What about any impact on puberty or fertility? Given these kids are so young and, you know, they're still growing, some may not have experienced puberty yet. They may be a few years from that. Can we assess the impact the vaccine may have on puberty and fertility later in life? Yeah. And again, I would say that it's difficult to have data even for coronavirus or COVID or um, versus the vaccine because you'd have to do long-term evaluation. But scientifically speaking, there's no reason why it would affect anyone's puberty or fertility. In the older population, they've done evaluations and fertility clinics where people who are trying to get pregnant, they compare those who are fully vaccinated versus those who are not vaccinated, and they have found no difference. They've actually looked at sperm counts for those who are fully vaccinated versus those who are not vaccinated, and they have not found any difference in sperm number or quality, so quantity or quality. So again, there's um, no reason to suspect that it would affect fertility or puberty. And you know, mRNA is a product that our body uses and it usually disintegrates within days. So it's not something that hangs out causing long-term effects. I don't think there's any scientific reason why we would expect any effect on fertility or puberty. Thank you. When the vaccines were approved for children age 12 to 18, we saw cases in that age group drop pretty dramatically. Are we expecting the same for children age 5 to 11 now that the vaccines have been approved for them? I'm happy to uh, take a stab and then Emma can jump in. But <laughs> I, I think it all depends on how, what percentage of children get vaccinated in the early days. But our goal is to get as many individuals vaccinated so they can protect themselves and we can continue to keep our case numbers as low as possible. We're still at substantial spread here in Los Angeles County. So we still have a lot of coronavirus transmission happening. So it all just depends on getting um, those individuals who are vaccine eligible and have not been vaccinated yet, access to vaccine and access to good information about the vaccine. Great, thanks. And last question for you, Dr. Yagane, and maybe I'll, I'll ask Hema for your thoughts on this as well. Not all parents will be getting their children vaccinated. Some will choose not to. How do we handle those conversations around, you know, should we allow our children to interact and have playdates with their unvaccinated friends, either in school or outside of school? Can my vaccinated child play safely with kids that are not vaccinated? I think that's a really interesting question. My children did get the vaccine. Some of their friends have not gotten the vaccine. But I do feel like um, there are a lot of mitigation strategies we have in place. So if I know that 
we're working with a family who's not vaccinated, I think that's something I take into consideration when making plans. There are times when you can use ventilation and masking and testing and all these other strategies to try to keep the interaction as safe as possible. Similar to what, what Dr. Morales-Meyer said about keeping holidays safe, definitely I think that you know you have to really increase your other mitigation strategies if vaccination um, is not going to be fully utilized, if that makes sense. But I don't want to say that my children can't play with kids who are not vaccinated, but I definitely am going to use more mitigation strategies to try to really prevent any sort of transmission, but, you know, keeping them engaged. And I would add to that. I mean, one of the things that we know is that parents are very concerned about their children getting vaccinated. So we encourage all parents that have questions that haven't yet vaccinated their children and are still wondering whether they should or not to consult with their pediatrician and consult with their doctors to get their questions answered because we, you know, vaccination will save lives and will really prevent children from getting infected. And so we want to make sure that parents feel comfortable in doing that and reaching out to your doctor, reaching out to your child's pediatrician and getting your questions answered is really important to making sure that you make that decision for them. One last question about vaccines and and children. Do we have any news on the very young children on vaccine maybe getting approved for six months to four-year-olds? Anything there? Yeah, so I think that um, we know those trials are ongoing and that data is being worked on and hopefully we'll get more information soon. I've heard rumors that maybe the data could be submitted um, from Pfizer as uh, late in December, early 2022. We just have to continue to wait and trust the process. We want to make sure that these vaccines are appropriately vetted to be safe and effective. It does take time to do good science. So um, we're just all crossing our fingers and hoping. For sure. Just to wrap it up here, Dr. Morales-Meyer, I'm just curious, how do you talk to your family, your children, your friends about getting vaccinated, maybe those that are maybe a little resistant? What do you tell them? Give me your best pitch. How do you convince me that I really should think about getting myself and my kids vaccinated? You know, I think this is a good question, but I think it's a very individualized question. I think for each individual, it really depends on where they are in the process of deciding to get that vaccine and really starting where they are. So meeting them at their point, right? And so if it's, you know, questions that they have about safety or questions that they have about side effects, I think the first point is to ask, why are they hesitant to receive the vaccine or give their children the vaccine? and start there answering their questions and providing as much support, as much education as possible. Some people are just still fearful that it's too soon, the vaccine was developed too quickly. And what we've seen is that the trials have been determined these vaccines safe and effective for children. Really what we're seeing is that it protects them and that's really important that we protect our children from not getting sick. And so, Finding out first what their concerns are, providing the education to them, letting them know that it is a safe and effective vaccine, that it's gone through a long and very rigorous process of making sure that it was approved before, you know, we can give it to anyone. Like all of those are things that are important for people to understand and knowing that there are people out there like your doctors, your pediatricians who can answer for their questions to make you feel comfortable with your decision. 
And Dr. Gainey, I'll ask the same question of you. What's your approach in, when speaking with friends and family that, that may be a little bit resistant to thinking about or, or looking for a vaccine for themselves or for their child? Yeah, I think I'm, I would echo what Dr. Morales Meyer said. You know, you just really have to see where they are. I think there's a, a wide spectrum of where people are, and everyone has a different relationship with COVID, and a lot of people have a different relationship with the vaccine. And so trying to see what their hesitancy stems from. Most people just want their child to be safe. That's a common ground. As a pediatrician, I also want their child to be safe. So, you know, we're just working together to figure out the best way to keep their child safe and healthy. For me, you know, I, I feel very strongly that vaccine is a pathway to do that. And if there's concerns, we have an opportunity to discuss them. And usually during those discussions, we're able to really align our goals. I mean, we both want the same thing and hopefully we can address any concerns they have to get their child vaccinated or their family member vaccinated. I do think it's a process. I do have unvaccinated members in my family and those discussions continue every time we meet. <laughs> so I know that it's not a one and done situation. It's more of a conversation. Mm. Dr. Hema Morales-Meyer, Dr. Navi Agene, I appreciate this ongoing conversation with you both. Thank you so much for coming on the show. So appreciate the work that you do every day on behalf of Angelinos, and thank you so much for, for joining us. Thanks, Steve. Thank you, Steve. This episode of LA Public Health was produced by the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Our department is nationally accredited by the Public Health Accreditation Board and is committed to protecting and improving the health of over 10 million residents in Los Angeles County. For more information about DPH programs and services, visit publichealth.lacounty.gov and follow us on social media at LA Public Health. My name is Steve Baldwin and you've been listening to the LA Public Health Podcast.